Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. We're making education your business here at AT23, Anthology Together 2023. Where are we? Well, we're in Nashville. We're at the AT studio. Yeah. And we studio. are, I mean, we are on day two. This is awesome. And, and I would tell you, day one was absolute fire. We had amazing podcast yes. episodes, guests, there was crowds. Uh, people chipping over themselves to check out this podcast <laughs> um and uh and totally. we, and today is going to be even better i have a feeling yeah we are broadcasting live here and recording live at the at studio uh where we have the edip experience and anthology partnered together in a studio environment to bring you the most relevant important and amazing topics that you need to know about in higher education today the anthology is at the forefront. Boy, don't they oh, have yeah. access to a lot of uh, people and data mm -hmm. and uh, amazing leaders. And we've got one amazing leader with us today. Uh, he is a well-dressed oh, man. Yes. Would you say so, Alvin? Yes, Would you very agree? stylish. I love his fashion. Well-dressed man. Yeah, um, you, uh, you're seeing him on video right now, yeah, so you can see how well-dressed he is. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Dr. William Hewlett-Latham, and he's Chief Student Development and Success Officer at the University of District Columbia. William, welcome to the microphone. Thank you. Glad to be here. Looking forward to oh. the conversation. We yes. are very excited to have you. Um, first, before we get into the topic that I know you and I, we want to talk about today, level set for the audience. Talk to us about the University of District of Columbia, besides the obvious and where you're located. <laughs> uh, what do you do? How do you do it? Who do you serve? Thank you. We are 4,000 plus students. We are urban, historically black college university. Mm. We serve part-time adult learners. And so we are a commuter-based campus, which is really quite, quite interesting because yeah. we have most majority of our students taking classes part-time and who come in class at night. So we have to build student support services that fit a very customized student demographic, which has been a fascinating journey for the last seven, eight years. Yeah. Amazing. We, um, when you're talking about, just before we get into the topic, when you're talking about commuter students uh, in District of Columbia, uh, what comes to mind is obviously, if you know that tri-state area, you know the loop and the traffic and the, oh, yeah. there's a lot of, I don't know, things that you have to consider. Distance, time, traffic, yes. uh, 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 the space, of where is everything because there's rural areas, there's urban areas. You know, how do you get from point A to point B to get what you need? That's, there's a lot going on there. A lot going on for our students who often have to make a decision about whether I can get on Metro mm. and come from Ward 7, 8 across the city from us or do I eat today? Right. Oh, and wow. that is a huge, huge opportunity for us to lean in as an institution to better wow. serve them and meet their needs. So yeah. that's that's a great part of what we do as well. One of the the most significant things about commuter students, really any student. But when you're talking about students that are coming from a lower economic means, when they're when the, the question is, do I eat or go to class? It's often the one bill that's unforeseen The fender bender, the you know uh, the extra little visit yeah something oh, that yeah. hits you and it's like okay wait a minute i can't do school i can't go to school anymore i gotta drop out it's what you do in these student support services that allow students to really have the perspective right so much of it is confidence building it's like no you gotta stick with it yes uh, but they have so many reasons and justifications to to not go to school because the what the necessities of life right you know so how do you that's tough how do you deal with this so we we've been fortunate to really lean in and really talk to our students quite a bit so you have to be very qualitative hmm. and very quantitative in the conversation of what you do with adult learners who are highly marginalized so we spend a lot of time listening to their needs and looking at the ways in which our practices can build processes to support 
right? And it means support long term, not just get you through the semester. Let's get you to the next mm. two years so you can graduate. But of course, they're looking at the short term too, and you have to make them see the long term. Mm, absolutely, that's that's tough. It's such a tough balance. It is. Um, there is so much trauma right now. We have COVID trauma. We have um, things that resulted from COVID trauma in terms of sickness and really even just how we think about things there. So mm -hmm. talk about, you know, the trauma informed care model at the University of District Columbia, which is a and just to define it as a transformative yeah. initiative for you guys. And it's a teaching it's involved with teaching and learning and how you train people as well that are in that are around a student in their ecosystem. So dive right into this yeah. because we've got a lot of questions. Oh, thank you. So trauma informed care for us is an ability for us to come through COVID and see what our students were presenting. So coming back from the pandemic, we saw students that had high anxiety, had high food insecurity, high homelessness insecurity as well, which is really difficult to try to triage, but you have to lean in on yeah. that. And then how do we talk to them differently and create a safe space for them in the environment in which we thought was already welcoming, but it was not actually that. And hmm. so that's a reflective moment for us to be honest and transparent. So we saw students coming back combative, coming back with anger, Coming back with towards the university, towards everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody, wow. right? Because of what COVID had done to them over two, two and a half years. Ah! So yeah. that's something that we had to be honest as an institution to say we have to address it. We can't sweep it under the rug. We can't ignore it. We can't hope it goes away. As the student comes back, we have to lean in and address it. So that's where this particular model came from for us in exploring trauma-informed care. Okay, so let's take a step back before we go forward. Talk about your role. What's your oversight? What are the areas that you have to tackle on a daily basis. So as Chief Student Development Success Officer, I manage enrollment, I manage student success, I manage call student affairs, generally speaking for most campuses, athletics and all space and events on campus. So everything outside the classroom is what I have in the portfolio that I manage. Yikes! How is That's the uh, institution going on without you while you're here at Anthology? <laughs> Yikes! Don't say that very loudly. Thank you. <laughs> edit, edit. No. Uh, everybody uh, needs wealth. Yes, sir. <laughs> we need William to get back to campus. That's right. Thank uh, you. We, we, um, th that's a lot. Yeah. Yes. So first of all, there's a lot to keep track of for you because you're talking about enrollment issues are separate sometimes of this when a student gets in and there's, you know, a mental health issues and so on. But you can connect those dots, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's I think, what the benefit is of overseeing that entire student life cycle is you can run those, exactly. those dots through. How important is that to executing on a trauma-informed care model? It's, it's the key because the mm -hmm. referral network you have to establish through all these supportive services have to be linked by a language and a mission. And so we use trauma-informed care as now the new language to help us understand how not to re-traumatize students. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that dialogue that consciousness of mind through training then you come in and you encounter a student and you accelerate the trauma because mm. you bring triggers to the conversation and to the process that you don't even realize oh, because you're not point. sensitized to that's that moment so is the is the premise here that that everybody's coming in with some type of trauma and we have to recognize it if we yeah. recognize that up front then we're there we're more mentally prepared to deal Correct. and understand that what we say and how we say it and how we interact with a student yeah. is either likely to to um, reduce that trauma or explode that yes. trauma. Yes. Right. Is That's that the, is that the general the premise? premise? That's the general premise. How do you train people for this? Because you're talking about you're making a moment of what I think would be normal customer service have such incredible mm. impact, not just 
on whether the student stays at the University District of Columbia, but how they stay or how they leave, that's yes. an important responsibility. How, how is this permeating through the institution in terms of training? So we have to look at different, the, the kind of five pillars of trauma-informed care around safety, choice, collaboration, engagement, empowerment, right? And then trustworthiness. So you go back and you look at each of your departments that have student-facing units, mm -hmm. and you say to yourself, the biggest processes that we have, how are we looking at these five pillars in every interaction that we have with the student? Mm -hmm. So you pull back that lens and you say, they walk in the door, what do we say? How do we say it? What's our body language? What's our language to the student? And you have to be that granular yeah. to really get a look at what they experience and have students come in and tell you in real time, what did we say to you And when you walked in the door today? Was it welcoming? Was it something that caused you to feel a certain kind of way about UDC and the experience that you were going to have here? And you have to be honest and receive that feedback. So the feedback loop is important yeah. as well as going through the process of being very granular about these five pillars and looking at each of these units from that vantage point. Does it change your hiring model? Do you, you know, when you go out and does the trauma-informed care model and working within the trauma-informed care model say, okay, if I'm going to go out and rehire this position, it has to come, I want somebody that has some basic skills that maybe I didn't have before or didn't hire before, or are you just hiring people that are good people and training them for this model? It's both. Okay. It's both. So for going forward, we definitely want to look at people who have a sensitivity and empathy Epic. for students, mm -hmm. right? And for what they've experienced. So it's not just, I love higher education, but I love the type of student that we serve at the University of District of Columbia, which is a different type of demographic. And you have to be honest about that in the recruiting process. So that's yeah. one. Mm -hmm. The second piece is to really understand what their needs as are as staff. So how do we get the staff to go through a model where they can express themselves mm -hmm. because they have trauma as well? Yeah. So if you don't recognize your own trauma, how can you help somebody work through trauma? Exactly. Nice. Exactly. And have yeah. a safe space created for them as staff where the focus is so often just the student and they can talk about, you know what? I need to talk to my manager today. I need a wellness day. I need mm -hmm. some time off or I need somebody who can really talk me through what I experienced two and a half years ago that yeah. I'm still trying to make sense of to the day. Wow. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I feel like that's such an important point. Like we have to recognize where we are at now with, with our own situations to be able to help students because we, we all are dealing, you know, as mental health becomes more prominent yes. and accepted, we all come from different spaces and different areas. You can't help people. if It's like the uh, airplane where you got to put your mask on first before you can help somebody. Yes. It's that kind of concept, right? You have it to is. recognize what's going on with yourself. It does. All good ideas are good ideas until there's outcomes or people tell you that it's a good idea. Can you talk about how students and staff and faculty, anybody who's dealing with the trauma-informed care model of the University of District of Columbia, what they're saying about this model and how it's impacting students and, and your stakeholders? Well, for staff, it gave us, they gave us great, great feedback about creating a voice for them, mm, right? Nice. And so it's one of these five pillars, it talks about the choice. Under choice is a voice construct. Like you give your staff an opportunity to speak to what they see every day. Like, I want to be able to talk about what the trauma of the student that just came to me and yelled at me yeah. felt like yeah. as mm -hmm. a staff member, yeah. right? And that's important for them to have that safe space to be able to do that. And then we talk about how do we help them understand how to really de-escalate and mitigate what they see, right? And that gives them comfortability in knowing how to now be a better service provider to the customer that they so much love. And that's the student that we serve here. So that's something that gives them comfort, gives them opportunity to have voice, and then empowers them to be able to be something more than just what they thought they were going to come to work and be that day, right. which is really someone who's going to give a care model 
to a student population that is going to receive it once the trust is established. Tell them like it is. Oh, I yes. love it. Okay, that we, was good. We, yeah, see, yeah, that was good, good use. Good um, use. We, I think, forget sometimes as we deal with students. And students, by and large, very easy to deal with and then very hard to deal with. Everybody comes from a different spot. Yes. And if you have a student who is uh, upset and that student unloads on a staff member, um, there's this almost this expectation that that's part of the job. You just got to, mm. you know what, if you got an upset student, you got to deescalate it. You got to deal with that. And I know I've done it because I've worked in hired a long time. It's kind of like, and I've said to people in my past, like, you know what, that's part of the job. You just got to deal with this. But sometimes those conversations are hard and our staff walk away feeling defeated yes. or they walk away feeling like, wow, I was a pin cushion today. Mm -hmm. That, that wasn't cool. Um, of course the customer is always right to a certain degree, but, yeah. but we, don't always recognize the role we play as staff and faculty in processing that information so that we can talk to the next student and have our A game on instead of going in with, oh, God, it's another student. When yeah. you start to get that perspective, that's when you can't help students, right? Right. That's, is that an important part of this to say, okay, we're, we're level setting here with our, with our staff? Absolutely. It's so we are looking at how we take staff development and integrate this Training, this trauma-informed care model into the professional development and the wellness model as well for staff. So it's both. So you have an opportunity to have a performance management conversation about your wellness and about what you need to be heard and feel safe in your role. And, and baking that into the performance management process yeah. is hard, yeah. it's challenging, but it's absolutely necessary for the staff to believe you. So the same trustworthiness you need for the student is the same you have to establish for your staff. Yeah. And you've got to look at policy and process to be able to do that. Otherwise, it's just, okay, you made us feel good for the day. Yeah. It was nice. But when I go back to my manager, I have no way of really operationalizing what you want us to become. Mm, that's and you good. need to be able to operationalize what you want them to become. Yeah. How does this happen? Like, where does this come from? Trauma-informed care model? Is it something you just dream up one day and implement? Do you have, <laughs> have you done it before? I'm sure when it came up with building? it. Yeah. You just thought you woke up one morning, you're like, you know what, trauma-informed care? Hey, it's a great, great, great model, right? It's, it's come out of K through 12. Oh, K through 12 uh -huh. spaces had it for years, right? Because they had the students who were so vulnerable at a younger yeah. age. So they had to come up with an idea and a process and a model that allowed them to deal with what they were receiving every day. Because mm -hmm. they see the student who's, who's coming in hungry, who's coming from a household that doesn't yeah. have a lot of support, right, financially and otherwise. And so that was where the model was really originated, from, coming from a social work lens and perspective. So higher ed in the last three to four years has really leaned in. And National Institutes of Health have actually done yeah. a, a report and study on this work because mm -hmm. higher ed is asking for more data around how trauma has been studied, how it can be utilized to help, help our students become better human beings at the end of the day. Do you track the results of the, of the model or how do you track results of the model? Is it quantitative, qualitative? How do, you, how do you? We're going to do both, right? So okay. we just did our first life stressor survey in my seven and a half years at UDC this past spring. First time ever when we asked students some particular questions about yeah. the social, economic, socio uh, psychological model that you have as a student loss of a, of a spouse, loss of a family member, loss of a job. What does that meant to you and how many mm -hmm. students have experienced that? And so from that baseline data, we're going to start baking in assessment processes for our individual units within the Division of Student Development Success. And then we're going to provide qualitative outlets for the students to have conversations around it. So technology forward. is going to play an important part. Is technology going to play an important part as you 
get Absolutely. to the next step of this? And Absolutely. how do you see technology playing? You know, what are you going to be using technology for, for and how as a part of the trauma-informed care model? So for us, it's really looking at how not only do we do the survey, but how do we set up opportunities for them to give us feedback? Yeah. So we want to be able to have technology serve as a, as a sort of an app for us in terms of how we use mm. different platforms at the university to give us feedback. So it give us feedback in real time, when the event is happening, say, hey, I really appreciate what you guys have done for us and having this event for us at this time. Nailed it. And this is something that you want to give feedback to us on, on a regular basis. So we have platforms that give us that opportunity through real life assessment and data collection. So that's how we're going to integrate those platforms to the model and then be able to assess that in this time next year to be able to say, hey, this is what will work well. This is what we need to work on continuously. This model has a lot of merit in, in um, a retention and understanding of students and how they process information as you're describing it of course my mind is immediately going to in person i'm imagining this happening in person how do you translate something like this to an online model well that's really getting the faculty to understand the impacts in the classroom ah, right and right. that's something that takes a little bit more time but we're going to work on work on that in the next phase right we're working with academic affairs to understand what this looks like for the classroom experience and how this faculty can uh, really buy into this process of what trauma-informed care means for the student experience in their role. And that's how you have to really explain it to them. Like, okay, this is about the student experience in your space. Right. And this is something that you want to be good at, that you know you naturally are good at, or you wouldn't be here teaching. So we want to enhance that. We don't want to come in and change what you do or how you do it, but we want to enhance how you think about what you give to the student and how they receive what you give to the student. I love that, that you're doing this and I love that you're going to track the results. I mean, this is this is the kind of innovation that I think yep. higher ed needs to be able to take the next step and evolve, especially as we see AI dominate the, the it's like, you know, how is AI going to affect our lives? It's going to affect our lives in all ways, but we're still human beings and there has to be some connection. We're still even AI is giving people trauma right now as they mm -hmm. try to figure out what to do how to do it what you know i mean there's so right. the human connection piece of this seems to be central like this has to happen you have to have this human connection for the model to work you do and, and so I'll give you a quick example of that for last year when we came back it was about the student not knowing how to use the technology effectively because they had been off campus for two uh, years yeah so you had to actually put peer navigators real life students in the computer labs with them to show them the process. Again. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than feeling behind on something. And that is all the justification student needs to say, I can't do it. Yep. I'm gonna walk away. Right, yep. I'm Stop behind. Exactly. You know, William can do it, I can't, and, and I'm leaving. And I'm leaving, right. Yep. So putting their peer in the room with them to say, hey, I'm just like you, I can walk you through this process, made them so much more comfortable with what they were learning again, and not to feel embarrassed or judged because they had forgotten the process. And oh, that's what God. you have to understand. Take judgment out. How do you reduce that barrier, that particular emotional barrier to what they want to become? And judgment often is a window because the highly marginalized folks are often facing that every single day. Yeah. You look at me, you look at my clothes, you look at my shoes, you look at what yeah. I wear yeah. and, you, and you judge. Right. And, you, and you, so you profile. So how do we reduce that even in a higher, educa higher education space is what we've had to look at. I will be honest, I did look at your jacket, but I imagined it in my closet. Okay. So I wasn't, I, I was judging, I was thinking about how I would look I in would this amazing jacket. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, Be stylish. What's, uh, what's next for the University of District of Columbia? Where are you guys going? What do you see on the horizon? Well, we have a new president starting uh, August 1st. So oh, we're very excited oh, to have Dr. Yeah. Eddington 
uh, coming from Florida A&M and University, started Amazing. our new president. So nice. he's going to bring a lot of innovation, a lot of mm -hmm. uh, great ideas and process to us as an institution. And we're excited to have him come on board and really help us become what we want to become at, at uh, UDC, which is really it. the best urban student success model in the country. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, I love that's that. good. Yeah, Anything yeah. else you want to say about the university? Open mic for you. Well, we're just really phenomenally far, proud of the partnership we have with Anthology and Blackboard. It's helped us really to maintain and sustain enrollment through COVID, which is critical because you yeah. can't have the student there. If you can't, if they're not there, you can't help them. You can't help them become better. So we are very proud with the work that you guys continue to do. And we're very supportive of everything we've been a part of in that process. So thank you for the invitation today. It's been great. Well, we thank Aaron uh, yeah. over here. She's right. our audience of, uh, of one right now, but that's okay. <laughs> She's the only one we let into the room. Exactly. Uh, you have to, it's invite only. And Aaron was only looking at an invite. Uh, but she set this up and we, you know, it was important to, to highlight the great work going yeah, on at the University yeah. of District of Columbia and the great work that you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, your guest today, the one and only Dr. William U. Latham. He's Chief Student Development and Success Officer at the University of District of Columbia. Did I get that all right? I think I did. I think you did. Did you enjoy your time great. here? Thank you, sir. It's uh, my pleasure. Ladies Thank and you. gentlemen, you've just ended up.